to 600 Pixels, a podcast that goes below the fold of the World Wide Web to see how professionals in the industry design and build better digital experiences for everyone. I'm Caitlin Studley, Director of Culture here at LifeBlue. And I'm Travis Self, a front-end developer here at LifeBlue. And today we sit down with Zach Dayton and Andrew Higdon, two of our interactive art directors at LifeBlue. And we're going to recap some of the things that we learned at the Event Apart Boston this year. Specifically, we're going to focus on two presentations, one from Val Head on making motion inclusive and the other from Sarah Parmenter on designing for personalities. Let's hear what the boys had to say. Welcoming Andrew Hignan and Zach Dayton to the podcast today. We should Welcome. say we're welcoming back Zach Dayton. We should Our say first that. returning guest. Hell yeah, what up? <laughs> <laughs> now we have to say that we're PG-13. Yeah. That's what you guys said, PG-13 going into it. I can level up this to R if we or want I could to. Put, I could put like a funny sound effect when you said. Can you just put like a fart noise over it every yeah. time we swear? Yeah, that's what I'll do. <laughs> Or <laughs> exactly, <laughs> I'll take each of those and use them. Sweet, <laughs> cool. Well, we're welcoming back Zach Dayton today to the podcast. Welcome back, Zach. Yeah, and we thanks are for having me. We are welcoming Andrew Higdon to the podcast today. Hey, what's up, guys? What is up? These are two of our spectacular interactive art directors at Life Blue. Um, and so we're inviting them today to talk about a recent conference they went to, also with uh, our co host Travis. Uh, an event apart. So we're going to kick off with some introductions. That way everyone knows a little bit about their backgrounds and then we'll get into it. Sound like a plan? Sounds good. Cool. Um, Well, Zach, why don't you give a refresher uh, just a little on your background and who you are and all that good stuff and then we'll turn it over to Andrew and uh, have him fill us in as well. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. So last time I kind of like went into a lot of detail about my background. Um, but Zach loves Russia. Yeah, I love Russia. That's all you really need to yeah. know. That's all I need to know. And this country. Games. But Russia. The motherland. Yes, the motherland. Mm-hmm. Now, I, um, now I'm an art director, an interactive art director at Life Blue. Uh, my background comes from, uh, I went to school for uh, some like graphic design stuff, and then kind of switched over to advertising, and then was doing some um, front-end development work, and that's kind of where I was headed out of college um, at a few of my first gigs and just realized that it wasn't really for me, but um, I could be a designer that could kind of talk the talk, maybe, and maybe like a little bit walk the walk, but like some garbage code, you know what I mean? Um, But I spent a lot of time abroad um, at internships, and um, I had a job abroad, like in Russia as well, and in Ukraine. Um, I have another degree in uh, in critical languages, international studies, in in Russian, uh, which is our last podcast was the uh, translation translation and localization uh, topic. Humble brag. Yeah. So if you didn't nice. listen to that episode, you can go back and find it. Yeah. On Check it out all on the, the places website. that. Yeah. All the places you listen to podcasts. But yeah, um, I've been doing this for, I don't know, a little while. A little while. Like, a little while. A, a hot minute, yeah, as the kids minute. would say. So. so awesome. Well, welcome back. We're glad to have you. 
Um, Andrew, let's turn it over to you. Tell us a little bit about your background. How did you end up here at Life Blue uh, from the far, far land from once you came? Uh, I am uh, obviously an interactive art director here at Life Blue. Uh, I started in uh, graphic design uh, and print, uh, switched to advertising, uh, did some agency work, worked for the University of Alabama for six years doing admissions and advancement. That's uh, where I kind of uh, I fell in love with the idea of branding and how to brand companies, especially one as big as a university. Everything can be different, but it all has to flow into the same vein. Uh, it all has to work seamlessly together. And keeping that consistency across you know years of uh, development and advancement uh, was hard. But I loved it, and uh, before I here, came here to LifeBlue, I had owned and operated a uh, branding firm. I would go into companies and audit them, uh, tell them what they needed to do to get to a certain place they wanted to get to. I really loved that, but uh, I was kind of spinning my wheels after being in business for so long. And uh, I have a family now, and uh, when it was just me and my wife, you know, they could deal with uh, the swings that come from owning your own business. But uh, having two kids now uh, made it, you know, imperative that I actually get a job and a well-paying job. I hear you have to feed kids. Is that true? You have, you to, have to feed them. You have to no, feed them so that they grow. Have to clothe them. So well, I hope how many times per day do you have to? Yeah. Feed them. What like, does that like, look like? like once, them. just once. I right? just want to clothe them once. Um, <laughs> it depends on how well you want your kids to be treated. But um, okay. I knew nothing <laughs> about that when I when I actually had them. Uh, but I've learned over time, and if something ever happens to my wife, they're screwed, and so am I. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> now, anyway. Stepping up to the plate. Exactly. Uh, I, I could join LifeBlue uh, because uh, I wanted to do something different. Uh, I never got into, you know, I did some web design, but that was just basic stuff. It's not like what we do here. Uh, and the website and what you guys did uh, intrigued me. And, uh, you know, I don't know what I did right, but apparently I did something right. So I'm working here today. <laughs> Awesome. Well, we're glad to have you. Um, so you guys recently went to an event apart. Uh, do, do one of you want to give us a quick overview for any of the listeners who are not familiar with this wonderful uh, event? Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, I can I can do that. So Take it away, Travis. Go, Travis. Go, Travis. So I'm, just gonna, go, I'm literally Travis, just going to read its own description, <laughs> how it describes Ooh, itself. Go, on the cheater. Man. You know what? We gave you that description you weeks ago. You were supposed it. to paraphrase it, <laughs> throw in your own idioms. So, the web design conference for UX and front end experts is how they bill it. Yeah. But it is three days of design, code, and content for interaction designers and developers. So, you guys were the designers in the room. I feel like there was a, probably a fair amount of graphic designers but it's mostly mm-hmm. like it's historically been like a web development yeah. conference but you guys came because obviously you guys work on the web as well and you guys are very much involved in the ux and interaction design of our websites and stuff like that so we thought that we could uh, use a couple of episodes to let you guys kind of share with uh, the listeners outside of this room hey mom <laughs> <laughs> zach's mom is our number one listener so you started to talk a little bit about what you guys were hoping to get out of the conference, Zach. 
I guess a question for both of you. Did you have an agenda kind of going in? Had you looked at the schedule to figure out, hey, I want to go to these specific talks or I want to try and meet these people? What was kind of your approach? What were you hoping to get out of it? Basically, what I wanted to understand was just a better grasp of like where certain patterns and trends are headed, right? Like whenever we're doing dealing with like responsiveness or like, you know, something new that's coming out in, uh, you know, CSS or something like that. Like, I think it's just a whole different way of thinking about how we should tackle certain design decisions and stuff and then have like evidence to back that up, right? Like what we do here, uh, we do a lot of inclusive design, which we'll probably get more into as we talk on this podcast, but um, just trying to think of everyone from an accessibility perspective. And I, that was basically the year, this year's topic. Um, and since we are striving to meet certain accessibility requirements, I think it's super interesting to see what other people are doing in, in the industry that like, it's not a very well-documented um, thing going on right now. So that's kind of what I wanted to learn and then take that information and bring it back and try to make design decisions based off of uh, where everything's headed. Nice. How about you, Andrew? You know, I, I knew nothing uh, about it in a part. You know, my big understanding of conferences came from like how, how to design. Uh, so I didn't, I didn't know what to expect going up to Boston. And from the first day I was there and the first talk, it was very apparent to me that this is exactly where I needed to be. There's a lot about what we do here at Life Blue that is new to me. You know, have I been doing design for a long time? Yeah. But interactive art direction is really different than print. And just hearing the guys talk, uh, listening to what they had to say, listening to what's happening in the world of web development and uh, user interface and uh, user experience was awesome. You know, like it was not life changing because that would be, you know, silly, but it was definitely career changing. Uh, fun fact about being there, I actually met Dan Mall, who happens to be one of the, the leaders in our field, uh, and I had no idea who he was. Like, absolutely no idea. And it was quaint and cute, you know? So. Well, he, yeah, I mean, he definitely, he kind of looks like uh, the rock star of the group. Yeah. Him and, um, and Brad Frost are definitely like the yeah. mm-hmm. the bad boys. That, that's actually how I'm doing I hope that they helmet. listen to this and hear you call them the bad boys. I hope I'm not the first one to call them that. <laughs> I think it was kind of interesting that like it was just a long, continuous conference too. Like rather than like kind of like big design or big D or whatever, and it's just like multiple talks are going on in different rooms that like developers can kind of like go into this room and people who are more like design focused or more UX focused or just like this random talk about like alcohol in the workplace or something. Um, like you could kind of go wherever you liked, but I think it was really nice to just kind of have everyone together and you would hear, you know, Q and a stuff at the end that like we're from a lot of different perspectives. Yeah. Just well, like, it was nice cause you didn't have to worry about, Okay, well, if I see this one, I'm gonna miss this one. Right. Um, yeah. It's yeah. I think that was like big stress reliever too, because we're all yeah. in there too, and we're taking notes, and it's like crap. I didn't get that. Did you get that? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, do you guys want to go over anything specific that stood out and like resonated with you? Um, one of the more interesting things. Uh, that resonated with me. I actually brought this uh, to the attention of your fiance. 
uh, was the idea that... Whose fiancé? Oh, <laughs> my fiance Matthew Potter, Matthew also Potter, a designer, very famous designer, was the idea that <laughs> MatthewPotterDesign.com. Yeah. Plug, 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 old plug. Before print could not be produced on the web, uh, was you know one of these concepts that everybody was well known. But they did this talk on intrinsic layout. I think is is what it is. The speaker did on live stage show you how you could actually make stuff that was trending in graphic design and reproduce it on the web and actually have it be indexable. And I thought that was just wild, you know. Yeah, so that was that was Jen Simmons, who's yeah. very. Um, yeah, she's one of the definitely one of the the bigger names, and she's like a huge um, advocate of of a uh, grid CSS grids. And she has a YouTube channel called Layout Land where she does a bunch of like kind of what you're talking about where she's like, I'm going to take this magazine spread and try to reproduce it and turn it into a web layout, like a functioning web layout. Because it's one thing like back in the day, you could you could get away with stuff by like just throwing a bunch of stuff and tables and fixed positioning stuff and whatever. But then, you know, with all the different mobile devices and every which way, there's no set, you know, pixel number to, to aim for anymore because it's fluid so producing complex layouts is more and more complicated these days but with things like css grid and intrinsic layouts uh it's more and more possible every day so it makes you guys your job probably a little bit more fun because you can throw us crazy layouts and expect us to actually do them now it's pretty tough though too because when you have to like with one of the projects that we're working on right now like the challenge I'm having is that like it is kind of like a full width experience, but like designing for all of those like different resolutions mm-hmm. and stuff. Like yeah. how do you and things that animate on and all yeah. that stuff? It's it's really hard to design some things like that, like in this like static vacuum of like a sketch document, right? right. Where yeah. it's like, okay, and then I'm gonna hand you all these notes, or I'm gonna give you animation references, or whatever to kind of go there. But it's like, look at this image, but pretend this image isn't on yet, and it's gonna wipe on. And, right. You know, it's yeah, like exactly. explaining that to people that don't know what we do or that aren't. That well, just even sense. people that like when you have an idea in your head, yeah, you gotta get true. it out. Like yeah. it's it may be intuitive to you, and it because you've been touching it for so long, right? Or it may be like just. Like, you think it's common knowledge, but there are times where I was, like, writing design decisions, like, documentation on, like, why we did something on a project and going through it. And it was just, like, little things. Like, why did you change this button to be, like, an outline button instead of a solid color? And I'm just like, shit, I got to think of, like, a reason, you know, like. Because to us, it's intuitive. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's intuitive, right? But there's some, it's like, oh, well, like, because the color background wasn't ADA compliant and it's like really the only color we have in our color palette to use for CTA or something like that. Um, that stuff just isn't as intuitive. And so having to go back and like document that, like it's, I don't know, it's kind of fun, but it, yeah, like having a flex template and stuff like that. It's just like, how do you design something that's flexible that (laughs) works in all those different scenarios? So Sarah Parmenter, she owns a small British design studio called you know who she specializes in ios user interface design and she gave a talk on designing for personalities yes so you andrew that that talk resonated with you 
interestingly enough, we had three days of talks and a lot of really great information. It's very interesting things. But there was actually a moment in her presentation uh, where she brought something up that is kind of near and dear to my heart. Um, the idea that we're collecting all this data, right? Uh, companies like Facebook and Google are, are collecting data every day on people. And you're targeting people based off of the things they look at, the, you know, the searches they do. You're collecting all this stuff. And so you know, a person goes to Amazon, they look at a shirt. Well, they go around the web and all the ads start turning into advertisements for shirts. And so she gave an example of different things that have happened uh, you know, to people that she knows and in the case studies that she's done. And one of them was she has a friend who couldn't have a baby, and she got pregnant. And she was really excited about it. She uh, was looking at baby clothes and all the stuff that, that happens when you're looking for a kid, which is ridiculous, you know, stuff that you end up looking at. And, I mean, to a new mother, and especially to my wife, it was just really exciting. But 11 weeks into her pregnancy, she had a miscarriage. And it was very apparent to anyone that would have been looking at her search results that something bad happened. But for the next 20 weeks, up until the time her baby would have been due, she kept getting baby stuff, you know, everywhere she went, everywhere she went, stuff being advertised to her. And, um, you know, what does that do to a person? You know, are we using the information that we're collecting for good? Um, if we have technology that can tell a person's looking at baby stuff and advertise to them about that, why can't we use someone's, uh, you know, the intuitiveness of, okay, that she wasn't looking at baby stuff anymore to understand that something happened? And so that seems like a no-brainer, you know, that we should be designing things that, you know, function in that realm and that speak to a person in their life. Uh, but we're not. You know, we're collecting data to make money. We're not necessarily designing stuff. And I say we. It's not necessarily the we. collectively. The collectively. Um, you know, are we using that information for good? And that resonated with me deeply because that happened to my wife six times. Wow. Yeah. So it's, did she experience anything like that? Yeah. On the web and stuff. Yeah. So it did happen. It well, it's a, and it's a very common occurrence, right? Like one in four uh, pregnancies that are realized end in miscarriage. And like people don't a, know that. It's a really common thing. And so it's it's even worse. It's already a very isolating thing for a mm -hmm. woman. And it's even worse that it would be then, you know, the re-traumatization happens through all just of that barrage of ads right. and the digital experience just reinforcing like, oh, this is the thing that you wanted that now you're not having. And it's just... <laughs> It's it's a very direct, like, oh, we're only going to use this data for what we want to use it for. We don't right. actually care about using it for good. Well, exactly. And, um, okay, that was one example that, you know, that happened to, happened to us, and it, it's happened a couple of times, and you get to the point where you're kind of numb. But she also brought up the example of uh, Bloom and Wild. It's been on the, the Internet now. It's this big, huge thing. But... What ended up happening is she was getting inundated with uh, emails closer to Mother's Day, and her mother was dead. 
Okay, and so but recently passed away. Man. Recently passed away, and so she um, was getting all these advertisements for flowers, Mother's Day cards, Mother's Day gifts, and finally she just was, you know, she just opened up, uh, you know, an email and wrote it to the CEO of uh, that company and said, "Look, you know, is there any way? I don't want to turn off all your notifications and all your emails, but is there any way I can opt out of just a Mother's Day email?" This causes me to rest and uh you know i don't want this to happen anymore and you know she didn't think anything about it but a year later the ceo writes her back and says because of your feedback we've decided to allow people to opt out of mother's day emails they've lost their mother and it became this pr sensation everybody could not believe that these people were allowing you to opt out oh my gosh and everything and it's sad that we live in a day and age with all that technology and when somebody <laughs> makes the ability to opt out of a Mother's Day email that it becomes some kind of PR, you know, windfall. Yeah, because it's so, like when you think about it, it's like, oh, that's so obvious, you know. Right. And not very hard to, to do, you know. Just put this person's email address on a do not email during the month of whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Pretty easy to do. Right. But... Nobody thought about it up until that point. So. Right. Well, and I've seen the reverse happen as well, where I've read, I think it was a pretty popular, famous story, if any of you read about it. Uh, there was a girl who was pregnant, and her parents found out because of the ad retargeting. So she mm-hmm. started getting, like, direct mail to their house, and it was for, like, new mom stuff because she had been Google searching. I think searching. it was Target. Or, yeah, or, or, it was Target. Or, or, like Target. Her, um, Yep. Purchasing habits or something like that. Which is just crazy. Like, that's crazy. I mean, it's just, it's fascinating how much that stuff affects us and seeing the movement of, you know, reclaiming data and even things like GDPR that Mm -hmm. are taking into effect so people can have the right to be uh, forgotten and, you know, not be a part of all of that stuff is just... It's really, really interesting. It can it can be devastating, you know. We don't not all the examples are that extreme, but I mean, it is extreme if you're a person going through it. So, Uh, another part of her talk, I mean, it was all centered around this kind of theme of designing for the user, and not designing for um, the idea that I'm going to make a product and I'm going to make you learn how to use it, and you know lumping everybody into one big group as opposed to understanding that I might be outgoing uh, in terms of my relationship with my wife, but my wife's an incredible introvert. If she could go without talking to a single person the rest of her life, she would do it and allow me to do it for her. Mm-hmm. Um, but, okay, so this one uh, website, Virgin Airlines, an introvert figured out that if they waited 10 minutes on that website that it would pop a live chat that wasn't normally available because the the website thought they were having trouble ordering a ticket. And if you're not allowing users to interact with your site the way they want to, then they're going to go somewhere else. And it was like one in three people are introverted, you know, in the in the world. And so are we designing sites that are built for them? You know, I don't know. Yeah, so like the example of like giving a user the ability to live chat at any moment that they want to instead of having to. Because like this one was like, oh, call if you need help. And there is no way to live chat until you wait for 10 minutes. So an introvert who doesn't like using the phone 
figured I don't out. Like and there you go. So some Come extroverts on, don't like yeah. using the phone, unless you consider yourself an introvert. This is my greatest gripe with like doctor's offices that I have to call them to schedule an appointment. Oh, God. And yeah. I never want to call them during business hours because I'm always busy. So I yeah. want to call them at like, you know, 7 a.m. before their office and opens. And they close at 5. Yeah. <laughs> and then they yeah. call me back and we play phone tag to try and schedule an appointment. And I'm like, why can't you just have a form online and I can just book, like I can do it for an oil change. Why can't I do it for a doctor's appointment? Why are you making me extrovert for you? Please stop. Okay. All right. So, Zach, Mr. Zach Dayton. Yeah. So, you're sort of an animation dude. You do, yeah. You do some animations. And I stuff. do. I do some animations. I did. For um, us. Yeah. That's what I wanted to do, like motion graphic stuff before. Well, once I started learning graphic design, that's like where I wanted it to go. And then I just, I don't know, I have a bunch of interests. So, I just jump around and <laughs> I just kind of know a little bit about. You're a renaissance man. He's yeah. a renaissance man. So uh, somebody by the name of Val Head. So, yeah. So she is a um, design advocate at Adobe that specializes in UI and UX animation. And she's uh, also the author of Designing Interface Animation. And, um, yeah, she creates a uh, weekly UI animation newsletter. Sweet. So I knew all that go. off the top of my head. <laughs> um, but yeah, she had a, a talk called uh, Making Motion Inclusive. She gave a speak. Yeah, she gave a speak. She gave a speak. <laughs> that a joke speak. Is right. cut out. So nobody's going to know. S-P-E-E-K. <laughs> speak. All In caps. case you're wondering she earlier, gave a speak Travis said she gave a speak. She, <laughs> she gave, gave a speak. speak. No, I didn't. It never happened. Never yeah. happens. The, <laughs> the miracle no of editing. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So more of like the idea of like, hey, what if you have some? You know, a lot of websites have parallax and, and all these kind of movements mm-hmm. that are happening. We're trying to make parallax is so hot right exactly. now. Exactly. Oh We're trying to make websites a little bit more interactive and like you know they have some stuff going on. Our listeners couldn't see Andrew's dramatic eye roll when I said parallax. He was is trying so to mimic right parallaxing now. with his eyes. <laughs> And his head was staying still while his <laughs> just, eyes were can moving. Can we just call it parallaxing now instead of eye rolling? I'm going <laughs> to. Have, okay, uh, he parallaxed yeah. so hard. Oh, no. yeah. So uh, anyway, she's talked on like how to make that kind of stuff. If you're going to have these types of things on your website, how to perhaps make them more inclusive for people who don't want like motion. Yeah. yeah. Or yeah. just like adding design. to some sort of UX factor right like yeah. i want the user to do x or like i want the user to feel like to have a good experience doing this like how do i you know instead of like writing a paragraph on like how to interact with something maybe it's mm-hmm. like you know an actual like an actual like something animating and moving like hey you can swipe on this versus like you know put your finger down on the screen and swipe and then like you yeah know, make it, it more intuitive yeah it, it adds to the explanation thing. It's like, it's why people talk with their hands and stuff. Right. Too, right? It adds to like, the experience. Yeah. And she gave a, like a sort of a, she walked through and gave us examples on motion that could trigger like motion sickness, mm-hmm. like particular types of like scaling and zooming, spinning and vortex effects, multi-speed or multi-directional movement. Like the effect of an icon opening up on your iPhone and the change yeah. that even a little bit of a millisecond can make you sick. Right. Yeah, exactly. like people with like vestibular disorder. Is that how you say it? vestibular? Right. Yeah. Ve- yeah. Yeah. Sure. Vestibular disorders, like you know, some sort of like inner ear mm. or uh, just epilepsy. Like yeah. Brain, yeah. Like anything like that. Like 
my brother has epilepsy and like i had to like i would i always remembered like oh he's gonna play he's gonna have a seizure he's playing video games or something like i'd always like worry like be like listening out for like anything or whatever and people like back in the day like or not back in the day but like i remember thinking like you know before my brother had epilepsy like oh well if you have epilepsy just don't watch the freaking pokemon show yeah, right. you know or yeah. something like that well, that's like, usually don't, the answer right well just don't do it yeah then. just don't do it or it's you like, don't get to participate in it but when you design for like i'm an advocate for designing for the worst case scenario so like when you design for the worst case scenario it Everybody will work wins. in every scenario right, right exactly. like I learned essentially that from zach dalton i learned that from zach there you go zach zach dayton Dayton. 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 Yeah. Dalton. I was like, who's Ooh. Zach Dalton? Uh-uh. I keep... Uh, yeah, there there you go. Go. Hey, Dayton. Dalton. Dalton. So, yeah, from I'm a... I'm from Zach uh, Dalton. He's been from Texas. Yep. Yeehaw, Zach Dalton. Um, <laughs> that's going to be our new sign-off. There's just a lot of... Zach Dalton. Yeah. Zach Dalton. Zach Dayton. Zach Dayton. Dayton. You can just get rid of the T, too. Like, Dayton. Mate. Dayton. Mate. Zach Daytona oh, 500. Oh God! Yeah, I've I tried to do the example of like, yeah, my name's my last name Dayton, like Daytona, but without the last A, and like, no, <laughs> that's too complicated. Like, too okay, so Daytona. So, like, like, so do no. you keep the 500 or <laughs> <laughs> Dayton 500? Dayton 500, nailed it. But uh, so yeah, but but from a uh, from a developer's perspective, yeah, one thing that kept popping up, this was like the star of the show was this new media query called prefers reduced motion. motion. I feel yeah. like at least five of the talks Talked had that. that. Yeah. 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 And so like what that lets us do is say, it basically looks at a setting on your computer that's basically saying, I don't, I prefer reduced motion. If you have that on, we can look for that. And if somebody has that turned on on their computer, we can just not show that animation and give them a different experience that doesn't have all the motion and stuff. So as someone who's not a developer, talk to me about how that works. Is that a setting on my computer itself? Is that a setting in my browser? Yeah, yeah, it's a setting yeah. on your... So the so iPhone... it's a hardware... Se- or I guess technically a software setting. Mm-hmm. Accessibility yeah, It feature. could be a browser yeah. setting too. Okay. Like it could be something that's in your browser like Firefox. Like I've checked this and... So if the website has some sort of query that it's like, oh, I actually thought about someone who may have these isn't like... Disorders okay. or something? How that do we? Sense. So like, I think uh, I want I want to say that the um, iPhone came out with it first. Yes, yeah, and then because um, I think it was iOS nine or something where they yeah, they and it, like they brought in all those zooming effects and like I remember people mm-hmm. being like, yeah, it makes me nauseated. Like I hate it, and I was just like, I love it. Like what the hell? Like <laughs> it's so cool. It's like zooming in and out, but like I just like didn't think about like again i was just kind of like get over it you know like yeah right exactly it's a a hard thing too as designers is to think about all these things okay if we're going to make a different experience can it look the same way in our head for different people you know if this person turns this off is it going to change our design i mean is it going to to be the same feeling yeah uh, that we intended yeah right and a lot of times with with motion it's probably a little bit easier to just turn off that motion you know yeah it's, just it's like static mm-hmm. but you know but yeah on on i think it took a while for the operating like osx to put it on machines but right now it's just under like if you open up settings on your macbook mm-hmm. or your whatever and you go to display 
or actually, I'm sorry, you go to accessibility. There's an accessibility section. Mm -hmm. Scroll down to display, and then you can check a box that says reduce motion. And so if that's checked, we can then queue into that with a media query in our code and then turn off or turn or on slow something. it down. Yeah. You know, or, yeah. Mm -hmm. or just not. Yeah, exactly. Slow it down or make it only happen once, you know, because a lot of times mm -hmm. motions will repeat. That's another thing she was talking about, too. Yeah. yeah it's like repeating motion like a star field. Mm -hmm. you know, yep. it spins. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So anyway. Well, you get like I remember working at Kroger. I used to be a cashier there at a time where like I think people were learning or just being more like conscious about like ergonomic chairs and you know like all these things right and so there was I remember going through training it was like repetitive motions cause injuries like that's the same thing that happens from like yeah. a cognitive you yeah. know like digest and digestive uh just like just mental capacity, right? Yeah, to like yeah. be able to be like, there's too much going on. I can't read this and see this motion and all this at once. Like mm -hmm. overload. Yeah. It's like when you're sitting in a car and you're, you know, you're sitting still technically, but just the fact that the window is moving by next to you and you're reading a book is going to make you yeah. sick. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm -hmm. I think we can wrap it up. Yeah. I think that was a solid episode. Yeah. So how do we yeah. sign off on all this? Um, do you guys want to give, give off any like, um, like, like your social stuff, like you have, I know you have dribble, like we, you can drop that on here. If you yeah. Want. Um, well I'll, I'll go, uh, you can find me on the web at, uh, G three Jedi, uh, on dribble or, um, pretty much anywhere on the web, uh, G three Jedi, because apparently I'm the only person that has that handle or you can email me, uh, Andrew at life com. Nice. Zach, where can they find you on the, on the interwebs? Um, they can find me in a variety of places. Uh, Dribble, Zach Dayton, Z-A-Q-D-A-Y-T-O-N. <laughs> Not Daytona. Um, Zach but Dayton. Daytona without the A. Zach Dayton 500. Yes. <laughs> Zach Dayton 500 minus the 500. Add the A. Remove the A. <laughs> Zach Dayton. Um, Add the A. And then I have, uh, I have my, like, my personal Instagram, but then I have a just design instagram uh, it's at zach dayton design more importantly zach where can they find you on overwatch oh Ooh. Yeah. uh you can find me at a uh, real rasputin all one word just like we said earlier he likes russia uh hashtag or pound sign one four two three nice what yep. you'll find me on the competitive ladder whoa dude Zach's semi professional hey, gamer. Um, not many people. We got know that. a Overwatch celebrity in our midst. Oh boy. Yeah. Okay then. Yeah, well on that note, thank you guys for coming out and sitting in with us and chatting about design things. I'm sure we'll have uh more conversations in the future as we start to see some of these trends develop and maybe we'll have you come back and revisit as you work on implementing them maybe into some of the sites that we've got. But we'll link anything we discussed in the show notes and mm -hmm. we'll link your social media uh, stuff so people can reach out and connect with you. But in the meantime, thanks for podcasting with us and we hope to have you back again soon. Thanks, Ooh. guys. Party. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks.